saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in His face. The light shines on us today in Galatians chapter 2. Paul continues to address the Galatian church, especially he tells of the hypocrisy of Peter and other Christians that he addressed, which took a lot of guts to do, let's be honest, and to show us what it means to be justified by the crucified Christ. A little law, lots of grace, and lots of Jesus. Open up your Bible because the gifts are ready. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us Pastor David Boisclair, pastor of faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. According to my sources, this is a little weird for you because it's Friday, not Monday. How are you doing with that? Oh, I'm great with that. Friday's always a good day. <laughs> it, is, it is a good day. It is a good day. Well, what's happening for you, Pastor Boyce Claire, and, and, and you and the, the saints at Faith in Bethesda? Anything going on? Well, we're continuing on uh, through our journey through uh, the Epiphany, the season of Epiphany, and and we're very much anticipating uh, um, the transfiguration of our Lord, which is the high point, the mountaintop experience, and then, of course, we go to the 40 days of Lent. Wonderful. Yeah, it is going to be, it's it's creeping up on us kind of quickly. Um, this year, not as quickly as it could. I think the earliest I've had Ash Wednesday is February 6th. Do you remember anything earlier than that? Well, um, you know, Easter in our lifetime never was earlier than uh, the um, 23rd of March. And, you know, Easter can fall between like the 22nd of March and the 25th of April. So uh, you have to kind of do the math uh, from the 23rd of March because that's the earliest it's, it's been. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it could very well be, uh, you know, early early in February that we have uh, Ash Wednesday. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, this is why I encourage all of our listeners, if you have any questions today, Pastor Boris Claire knows it right off the top of his head. <laughs> Information on Lent or uh, Easter, all this kind of stuff, and obviously everything to do with the scriptures. So today, if you have any questions for us, please send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, and we will answer that according to the clear passages of Holy Scripture and with Christ at the center. Anything else before we begin, Pastor? No, I'm just really excited about this uh, section of Scripture, and so I encourage all the listeners to really um, hunker down and open their Bibles and and join us. Wonderful. Let's begin. Can you please bring us in prayer? I'd be honored. Let us pray. Christ, our righteousness and justification, we praise you for your gospel of salvation that has set us free from the law of sin and death. It is by the word of your grace that we are made clean, acquitted of all our sins. Grant that in your Holy Spirit we might do battle for the truth of the gospel, as did your holy apostle Paul, who did not give in even for a moment that the knowledge of the truth of the gospel might remain for the salvation of all generations of mankind until the end of the world. 
guide us as we dig into this precious epistle of Paul to the Galatians. May we grow in our knowledge of and faith in you to life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, today is we're in Galatians. You were just with us recently in 2 Corinthians, which you said is your favorite epistle. So yes. where does Galatians fit? Is it a close second, or where do you put it? Oh, most certainly. In fact, I did uh, I did my um, MDiv uh, special study. You know, they, they didn't have a, a um, thesis for MDiv, you know, you, or you could do a thesis, but, you know, you had like a, a special study. And this was, of course, in the late 70s uh, or early 80s when I completed my uh, um, MDiv. And so I did it on Galatians with Dr. Louis oh. Brighton. And so, oh so I, I kind of did did some you know some study of Galatians, and and like today we have a real interesting passage of two verses which were which are, do require a lot of thinking. <laughs> well, great, great. Well, we will better better dig in so we can get into those few verses. Um, any background information that you want to share with us as we begin our study today? Yes, uh, you have before this, uh, you know, it, it, what's exciting about this passage is here is uh, our faith in Christ, the gospel, the, it being established by his apostles, and uh, in, 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 in in, in sort of like, you know, you, you have a narration of the events by which they established uh, the truth of the gospel. Of course, you know, it, you know it's, it's from God, and that's the whole point. And and you you have you're given the uh, teaching about the manner in which the church is established by Christ that it's not men or persons you know like they often talk about in, in you know in the political uh, sphere that we are a nation of laws not of men so also in the church we are a a, a church of doctrine the doctrine of the truth not of men. And so that's kind of that's kind of like the idea here. And, and here you have the prince of apostles, as he is often called, being confronted by those who are better informed by the truth uh, that that the Lord has established of His gospel of salvation. Well, and that's an interesting thing too, because in chapter where we are today, kind of ends this narrative that he gives. I mean, the epistles are typically just kind of. Long run-on sentences, and but here it's almost right. like he's speaking. He's speaking in narrative form, and so it's really fascinating to follow along. And when it tells that he goes and visits them in Jerusalem, it's interesting because he goes there and he's kind of like saying, "Yeah, the apostles are great, and I'm going to get their approval." But let's be honest; they're not as influential as you think. I mean, that's kind of the way he talks before these verses today. And I think we kind of get an understanding of why that is in our verses that we see 11 through 14. That, that's kind of well, my feel for it. Thoughts? Well, well, their authority lies in in teaching the the, uh, the gospel. You know, they are, you know, in, in when, when he's, he will say later, or we will see later, where it says, uh, well, not 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 in Galatians. I think it's in Ephesians two twenty one or something, where it says that mm -hmm. that they they are the foundation, Christ being yeah, the chief yeah. cornerstone, and that okay. of course is the word of the apostles. In other words, the body of their uh, the the Bible. You know, in other words, the New Testament. That's that is the foundation, and uh, it is not they it, they do not have any authority as to their uh, being who they are. See, and th this is kind of like our, uh, 
the Reformation was all based on this as well, because, uh, you know, the idea is, well, Peter was made the head of the church, and so all of his successors in the popes are, are uh, you know, and whatever they establish is the, is the truth, but that's, that's not true. You know, and it, it, you, you have to use when Jesus said, he who hears you hears me, it's when you speak my words, when, you, when you're true to, uh, you know, what I have taught then they will hear me when they hear you. And so it's, it's, uh, we're, we're governed by uh, Christ and his word, not by men, by popes or, or bishops or, you know, consistories or district presidents or synodical presidents or, or any, any human being or any human authority. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So what is the basis of our authority? And, and that's the, the question we always ask as, as leaders, as churches, as Christians. Before we come to these verses, it is Paul who goes to Jerusalem with Titus and Barnabas and shows them that, you know, God shows no partiality, Jew or Gentile. And they, they, they agree upon, okay, this is the one gospel. Your authority is based on the revelation of Jesus given to you. Um, our authority is also that the same gospel that you have is what we have. And, and we can do this uh, among each other and make sure you remember the poor. And then he goes into another story here that happens in Antioch. So let's get in here. Verses 11 through 14. We'll hear this and we will dig in. A uh, reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? First reading of this almost feels like you're going back to junior high a little bit and the lunch table. <laughs> yeah. So what is, but that's, that's, it's more profound than that. So what's happening here, Pastor? Well, um, it, at first, uh, uh, Peter, who is Cephas or Cephas, uh, Cephas is the uh, Aramaic, uh, you oh, know, equivalent of nice. Petrus or what, what his name. He's in Antioch, and there's the church there, and and of course Paul, Paul and Barnabas and others are there in Antioch, and uh, he's he's having fellowship with them, you know. He's he there, and there are Gentiles there, you know. There are Gentile believers. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, emissaries or, or people from Jerusalem, from James. And, and now again, uh, you know, if you, cup, you have to look at this passage in light of uh, Acts chapter 15. You know, James is on board with, with uh, Paul's gospel, which is that you're justified by faith alone in, in Christ and not by works of the law. Or, or also the problem is, how do we as, as Jewish believers... Um, you know, put ourselves in line with, with circumcision, for instance, or with even with table fellowship, you know, because as you know, in Acts uh, earlier, it was Peter who was the one that kind of bridged the gap between the Jews and the Gentiles because he went to uh, see Cornelius in, Caper mm -hmm. I believe it's in Capernaum, and, and he has fellowship with them. 
And they, and they also have the, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, like this is what, Acts 10 or Acts 11. And then, then of course, uh, he is, of course, criticized as well. But here he comes to Antioch, and he is in, in fellowship with the, with the Gentile Christians. And so he's taking communion with them. You know, that's, that's also to be considered, you know, with the table hmm. fellowship. All yeah. of a sudden, people come from Jerusalem. Now, it doesn't say that they were coming to overthrow anything. It did just that then evidently, maybe these people that came from Jerusalem uh, had, you know, were not acting according to the truth of the gospel. So Peter uh, is thinking, well, I, I have to kind of, uh, he, out, of his, out of his cowardice, he, he just simply stops having fellowship with the church in Antioch. And even Barnabas is led uh, astray with this, you know the other the other Jewish believers are are uh, in its hypocrisy. Mm. And why would it be hypocrisy? How, I, mean, I, I want to make this as simple as possible here, uh, Pastor Boyce Claire, just because it is it's a unique thing because we kind of get a feel for it, but it's it goes beyond. I'm in junior high. I'll go back to that. And one son, one day I sat with one set of friends at a table. And then the next, the next day I sat with another group of friends at a table. Table fellowship meant more. Do you want to give us a feel for what it actually means in this scenario? Well, yes, uh, because uh, Peter knows for sure, if you like, if you read uh, uh, Acts 15, the Council of Jerusalem, that we are saved by grace alone through faith in Christ and not through uh, following the law or even, but more specifically here, the ceremonial law, like of circumcision or anything. He knows that that's true, but then he, he tries to, he, he is basically afraid of the Judaizers or the people that are called Judaizers. They're demanding, well, you have to be circumcised. All the Gentile mm-hmm. believers have to be circumcised. So what he's, what he's doing is he's saying, okay, I'm not in fellowship or I'm not going to be, uh, you know, in the same church with uh, Gentile believers unless they be circumcised. So he's, he's compelling them to be circumcised, and, and, and which is to say that you're not, it, which is an attack on the gospel itself, which says you're saved by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law. And, and you know, like even the Apostle Paul later in, in Galatians says, circumcision or non-circumcision is not important. But what is important is a new creation. And so they're hypocrites because they're acting as if uh, you are saved by the law, even though they know for sure that you are not. So what they were confessing with their mouth was not how they were living their lives. Oh, yeah, we're that's, all together. Yeah, that's, a, that's a very good way of putting it. That's the, that <laughs> nails the, the nail on the head. And you see, you know, there's other times that we see with Jesus and table fellowship and the understanding of, you know, he ate and they said, and he eats and sits with tax collectors and sinners. And I think we do see this today, even that the people you invite to your house over for dinner, that there's a special relationship that is there. You just don't do that for everybody. Um, So we have a small indication of this in our own context. We see it with Jesus that to sit with them is a symbol of that they that there's a freedom there from the law and that we're together right. as a church. Now, I heard you say this a little bit. Are you, and, and, and I can question it, I guess maybe I didn't hear it. it. Would we say this could connect with the Lord's Supper too somehow? Or yes. was that just a, okay, okay. So yeah, because, tell, tell us because more about obviously, that. Yeah, because obviously if you're not going to eat with 
the Gentile believers. You know, you, okay, we're speaking about Jewish, Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to eat with them, you are not going to commune with them. You're not going to go to the Lord's Supper with them. And because usually the Lord's Supper, I think at that time, was was held in the context of like a love feast in the church. You know, everybody brought in it was sort of like a potluck meal, and then they, they bring in bread and wine as part of it. And then, and then the pastor, uh, or the one who presides at the, you know, obviously the person with the office of the ministry is the one who presides, takes uh, the bread and the wine out, and uh, celebrates uh, the Lord's Supper in context with that. So, and that, of course, is the ultimate uh, of importance, and that, that determines, you know, who we are in fellowship with as Christians. And, and that's, that is very important for us to think about, too. It goes into uh, when we do commune together as a church, challenging as it is during COVID, how does this look? How do we do this together? All of that is the importance of, it's just not me and Jesus going there. It's us, what we're confessing when we go forward, what we confess when we're standing next to the people that we commune with. And I don't want to get into that necessarily, but just kind of another reminder for us that who we eat with, and who we commune with, and all of that shows something more than just a little me and Jesus moment here, is that we do have to think on how this, um, what this proclaims in our lives as well. Last, I want to take a step back here too. It's interesting because in, you know, one through 10 in chapter two, it's kind of like this, they got together, there's an amicable we're together in this thing conclusion. And all of a sudden here, there's a stark contrast. All of a sudden what was together is now has been separated. Um, any thoughts on that or it's, it's a really interesting well, move here. Yeah. It, it, well, it kind of hinges on where, uh, you know, the Paul was in Jerusalem at the time. And then, and usually the, the beginning of uh, Galatians 2, he's, they think, they say that he's referring to the council of Jerusalem, you know, and the time that they were there. And it, and, and there's a lot to say that, you know, in favor of that position. But then there is an alternate position, which was put forward as uh, John Calvin, as, a, as an exegete, who said, well, there's also a famine visit that Paul uh, made mm-hmm. on Jerusalem. And that was where, uh, you know, perhaps they, they, they were deciding where they stood in, in, in the gospel. And, you know, and as he says, it was recognized that my call, Paul's call as an apostle, was to the Gentiles. And, and Peter's call was to the Jews that were not Christians. And, and, and they, but then they also gave one another the right hand of fellowship, which, you know, we practice, is practiced in the church today, shows that we are uh, in the same church or in the same, uh, having the same faith. And uh, so, but you see, the problem is, is that in, in Acts chapter 15, that was decided. So why is there, as you said, it was decided first, and then that now it's not decided, or, or, it, or but if you take this visit uh, of the beginning of, of chapter two to refer to the earlier visit, then then you can see where okay now they've they've seen that there's a problem. Then they come to Jerusalem later for mm-hmm. the Council of Jerusalem. Right, and that is a a unique thing. Doctor Doss would probably uh, go with the second one that you're speaking about in his commentary. I, I believe I have to look at that again. But you're right, that does cause an issue of that history. He also speaks about how this confrontation, first of all, shows that 
that that uh, Paul's going to call out sin when he sees it, no matter who the people are, which is quite um, gutsy of him, but also a sober recognition of our leaders. You know, um, even they can fail and fall in the midst of anything. And we can fail or fall just as Christians because we think we're doing one thing, but we're actually proclaiming something else. So that's why I do enjoy these passages, and it makes me reflect on my own life and how I'm witnessing for my kids, um, for those in the church, and other things that I do and vocate my vocational life. How, what am I confessing by what I'm doing, or in some ways, not doing? Any thoughts on that? I think there's a lot we could get out of these verses. Um, well, most certainly, the story Christ, Christ warns us not to set a, a stumbling block in front of people uh, that are weak in the faith, or the Apostle Paul does too. But e- even Christ says, you know, woe to who, those whom offenses come, because, it, you know, it, it, we're, if anybody caused one of these little ones to, who believe in me to stumble, it's, it would be better if they had a, a millstone hung around their neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, the way we live as Christians it has a great effect on on people who are you know not as strong in the faith maybe uh, you know or or maybe even unbelievers because people are always looking over your shoulder uh, and and you could you could harm them in their relationship to the Lord by your if if you uh, you know commit a sin you know and there's many ways in you know in, in not acting according to the truth of the gospel. That's that's what we have to always uh, ask the Lord to grant that we act in accordance with the truth of the gospel. It also was said that when um, Peter did what he did, you know, kind of scaled back his table fellowship with the Gentiles, is he made it look like there were a second class, uh, second class Christians out there. That there's a you know there's a first tier and then there's a second tier. And, and Dr. Dawson, his commentary says over, there is no such thing. We're all united in Christ. And this points us obviously to the end of chapter three in Galatians. Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, it might even be more. That is definitely true. But it also, if you, if you take it to, to the nth degree, he's saying they're not Christians. You know, I'm not having fellowship with them or they're not believers. You know, it, it, it's... Um, um, and 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 again, uh, mm, it, it, mm. It, it it it's sort of like a thing where, well, guess what? I'm Peter, so you better you, you know I I am um, in charge of the church, or I'm the head of the church, or whatever. You know, if, if if he was even thinking that, I don't think Peter would think such a thing. But I'm just saying that that you can't use human authority to um, to establish the truth of of the true doctrine in the church. Well, I think what I want to do here, we have about a minute left before our break. I want to read verses 15 and 16, and then we can address that after our break. Because uh, we've, we've, we've covered this. Um, Paul's addressing Peter and the other Christians. We are all one in Christ. There's not a cir- first and second tier. Just because someone's not circumcised does not mean they're not Christian. This is a faith issue. This is, once again, where he points us in these verses. So let's read verses 15 and 16, and we'll get to our break. Paul says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile Christians. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. 
These are important words we're going to look at after our break. We are currently studying Galatians chapter 2 with Pastor David Boisclair. We'll be right back. Creation is the result of a fluke and accident is ridiculous. A hundred thousand monkeys typing on a hundred thousand typewriters, even after a million years, would never produce the works of William Shakespeare. But they might produce several episodes of Wrestling with the Basics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on air or on demand. A click away 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. A hardened ranch hand bears wounds from the past. As hard as I might try, there are people I cannot forgive. But can he overcome his bitterness? Your memory of your pain is greater than the memory of your deliverance. To protect the son of his best friend. I will give my life to save yours. When Quicksand threatens to kill him. Don't do this. Quicksand, the exciting new audio drama on the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Cross Defense is the show where we talk about curious topics to excite the imagination, equip the mind, and comfort the soul with God's Word. Join me, Pastor Tyrell Bramwell, every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio, or anytime on KFUO.org, or even your favorite podcast app. My friends, our foe is a fierce enemy. Our only defense is Christ on the cross. And welcome back. We are concluding our study of the second chapter of Galatians with Pastor David Boisclair. What I want to do now, Pastor, is we have talked about how we are all united in Christ. But let's be honest that although we will say that, there's times where there's distinctions that we'll make in this world. And so I want to read again verse 15. Secondly, I'm I'm one of those guys that I hear it once and forget, and second or third time I might actually start remembering it. So I'm going to read verse 15 and get your thoughts. Verse 15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. These are kind of unique words here. What is Paul saying? Uh, well, in, in looking at... Uh... In, in looking at through the Old Testament, is that God established uh, a His nation of Israel as a holy nation, you know, set apart for Him, and uh, that of course there were uh, certain uh, ceremonial laws that were part of that, among which were uh, circumcision and also you know dietary restrictions, you know, th- clean and unclean animals. And, of course, the purpose of God establishing the the Old Testament people of God, uh, of the people of Israel, was in order to provide a, a, a nation by which Christ could be brought into the world, and he is brought into the world through that. And so as, as you come, as you, um, uh, come into 
the ministry of Christ, you know, you th- this was sort of the past that the people of God had. They they were to be separate from from the world, and they were to, of course, only worship Yahweh, the true God, as as their God. And and then, of course, they were also obliged to keep the ceremonial law uh, to show that of uh, this separation. And and that was uh, like what what happens to that ceremonial law when uh, Christ comes into the world. Now, the thing is to remember here is that uh, if anyone asks you how many religions there are in the world, you should say only two. There is a religion of the law, and there is a religion of the gospel. The only true religion is the religion of the gospel, which is the Christian faith. And and so this is, this is kind of like it ties into that, but I mean, maybe the light in which we could look at this. And so Paul is saying, well, you know, in our lifetime, because Christ, you know, came during our lifetime, you know, we were part of the Old Testament uh, uh, establishment of God's people. And so we were also required by God to follow the ceremonial law. But now something has changed. All of the law has been fulfilled in Christ. And now, now what we now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting. He says, "Gentile sinners." So we know, okay, you're by birth. This is what you are to do. So they understood that. But then he says, "Gentile." But here he has the word "sinners." Any thoughts on that? Well, that, that's how how they are perceived in terms of the ceremonial law. Um, in 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 the sense that they are not they are not uh, conformed. Uh, to the law. Now, that was one thing that was necessary in order to become a Jew, or, well, of course, we don't want to speak of Jews in the Old Testament. We want to speak of Hebrews or Yahwists or people that are followers of the true God, uh, that they, were, they had to uh, be circumcised and they had to um, uh, follow the um, dietary laws or in all the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. And so when they didn't or they don't, they're, they're sinners by not doing that. Ah, okay. So part of it is how they saw them in general, but also when you say, well, they don't even follow the laws. Obviously, they're sinning because they're not following the laws like us is kind of the correct. Okay. So we're looking at he's he's establishing an identity, and then he moves on to this. And I want to read again verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul does not allow us to have any wiggle room here. What is he telling us? Well, I mean, that's that that's basically saying that um, you're not saved by your works. And, and this, of course, is God's plan. You know, the law, of course, is, is to be, un, you know, he's not even speaking about the ceremonial law here. He's also speaking about all the law, any law. You know, uh, you know in other words, that, that the law kills, the law puts to death because it, 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 it demands holiness and perfection. And humanity, of course, cannot, cannot fulfill that. And so that's a dead end. Uh, for for human beings, and sometimes, like in in relation to the, the this is this is the center of the gospel. If you really this these verses are the heart's core of the gospel, 
almost mm-hmm. exactly like John 3.16. This is a gospel in a nutshell. You know, we're, you know, on one hand, we are saved uh, freely as a gift of God through Jesus Christ, received by faith, and not by what we do not by what we earn or what we strive for. And, and, uh, and, and, and that's what he, what he is saying here. And this was something that was established by the um, uh, apostolic or the, the council of Jerusalem, which were apostles that were there, that, that was established there. You are not saved by works. You're saved by faith, by the gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And that's what struck me with this with this verse, why I wanted to read it again, is because it, it sounds like, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You know, like you said, it sounds like uh, John three sixteen. And so maybe we should, and I encourage our listeners that maybe this is a good passage for you to write down, put up somewhere. Because it's one, I mean, when's the last time you heard someone say, oh, Galatians two sixteen? we know what that, that all says, you know. Um, but this is a great passage to use. At the same time, I have I've, I've visited someone who has Alzheimer's, and for her, it's something she said, Pastor, I keep forgetting, and she has early onset, and she says that, Pastor, I keep forgetting uh, so many things of the Bible. And so I, she said, what can I read over and over again? And that's where I pointed it to, like you said, John 3.16. And this might be another one that not necessarily for her, but for us to put into our hearts and our mouths and our, and our ears once again, to remind us, it is all about faith because the law, although the law is good, it is not going to save you. Other thoughts on, on this of all gospel-centered verse? Well, uh, and, and see, the idea that was being foisted on the Gentile Christians was, okay, you've got to be circumcised. Now, mm-hmm. the thing is, what happens is that when we are freed in Christ— when we become believers in Christ, and 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 the idea where we are received, uh, we receive the justification uh, uh, that God gives, the acquittal of our sins, the forgiveness of our sins by faith, that you should not lay any requirements, because if you lay any requirements on the believers, you are saying that that that. Faith is not enough, or, or rather, you know, the gift is not enough. You have to supply yourself uh, some work in order to make yourself right with God. And this is, you know, what, what basically happened was circumcision was an ad, what we call an adiaphora, we call that. That means an indifferent thing. It's not something that's commanded anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, for the Christian, it isn't. Uh, you know, that, that when Christ came, he fulfilled all the law, and then now, now it is not necessary, you know, it's not necessary to be, follow the ceremonial law anymore. And so, and so the thing is, is that when they, when they are demanding that Gentile Christians be circumcised, uh, you know, okay, they, they have the option, they can or they can't. In the case of Timothy, uh, Paul circumcised him. It, it, it was in, done in the freedom of the gospel to say because Timothy was going to work among a lot of, of Jews. And so it was only proper for Timothy to be circumcised. Well, you know, I mean, he just made that decision. That was a, free, a decision freely made, not something demanded of him. Then you had a different situation where Paul had Titus with him, and, yeah. and they demanded, perhaps, I don't, it doesn't say that, but it's, uh, it, it kind of has the implication that Titus was demanded to be circumcised, and Paul said, no way. Because you're, what you're doing is you're taking something that I'm free to do, 
uh, circumcision, and you're making it a requirement for for me to be saved. That's what that's what this is. That's yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I think looking at chapter three a little bit is uh, the emphasis on don't go back to the old covenant because the old covenant brought you into slavery, not in freedom. That's a little bit of a precursor for Monday as we look at chapter three. I'm looking right. forward to that time, but don't go back, move forward in freedom because that freedom is in Christ, as you said so well, that he has fulfilled the law. He has done it all for you. If you go back to the law, you will never have a clear conscience. It says in the uh, Apology, when it talks about this, that the law always accuses and terrifies consciences. It will always always leave you wondering if you've done enough. And that's what they were doing. Yeah, I'm saved in Christ. Everything is good. This is wonderful. And they're like, um, but what about this? Oh, yeah, I got to do that, too. And then you go right back to slavery instead of looking to the full sufficiency of Christ. Last, last thoughts on verse 15 and 16. Well, yeah, if you if you make a requirement, something that is not a requirement, what happens is you're calling into question the free salvation and in and, and Jesus Christ, you are you are contradicting the gospel, you are you're going to a uh, you're, you're you're throwing the whole thing away. And, and that's why Paul says later in Galatians, you know, I'm reminding you that all of you people who are insisting on circumcision, you are also required to keep the whole law. Right. You know, if you don't right. do, and then, and, and what does James say? James says, whoever fulfills the law in every point, or, or, or in every way, you know, in other words, whoever mm-hmm. keeps the law but yet offends in one point has guilty of breaking all of it. And, and, and so the Apostle Paul says, you are, you are basically turning your back on Christ, what you're doing. Uh, absolutely. So what is the object of our faith? It's not the law. It is Christ. Right. Let's move on. You know what, Pastor? You said you had two verses that were going to be um, not confusing, but had to work through a little bit. What were those verses you were thinking of? Was the ones were coming up. <laughs> oh, 17 oh, right and now. 18. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. We'll see what happens here. 17. Uh, let's go through 19. 17 through 19. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so I might live to God. All right, so we have some confusion, and I'm what's depend on you to help us with that confusion. What do you got, Pastor? Well, uh, in this particular case, you know, I, I sort of like boiled it down to this. Since Christ taught justification by faith, you know, in other words, forgiveness of sins freely given through faith in Jesus Christ. People that lived by that doctrine would be found to be unjustified if the Judaizers were right. Okay, so the, these are the opponents that he's dealing with, these Judaizers. And they're, they're saying that, no, 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 you're not uh, justified by faith, you, are ju- or, you know, which is freely, you know, by grace. You are justified by works. And and so what would happen is is guess what you we've been you know we've been going along with that belief all this time now now that they're overturning that belief and saying you know you're you're um, uh, sinners like the gen you know now now you should think of yourselves as sinners then um, you know if that's if that's true then Jesus Christ himself would be the source of sin. 
Mm-hmm. And then, okay. okay, and so then following that doctrine would be advocating sin. Okay, if I were to act like the Judaizers and reestablish justification by works, then I was all, all wrong from the start. That's kind so of Christ, that's sort of a, in, it may be a working through that. Yeah, yeah. So he says, Christ then is a servant of sin. What are the implications if that is true? Well, that that means that our whole faith is 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 a is a fraud, you know. Then, then in other words, if we, you know, for instance, as Christ Himself, who lived among, uh, you know, the the Jews in in Judea and in uh, uh, Galilee and so on, you know, they they said he was a sinner because he wasn't, uh, you know, he he wasn't washing his hands or he was, um, you know, eating with uh, transgressors and sinners and and all of that and um, not following the ceremonial law. So then, you know, if, you, if what Paul is saying is that if you are a Christian believing in that you're saved by grace through faith, then you aren't a, then you are not uh, acceptable to God. You are, you are condemned by that action. And that, in, in other words, it's, it's going back to the law. And if you go back to the law and you, and you seek to be justified by the law, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe maybe that might do for the ju- Judaizers that say, yeah, that's fine. You know, you're doing your best. You know, you're you're uh, being circumcised and all of this sort of thing. But guess what? Your the law kills, <laughs> and, and and you aren't and you aren't perfect. And and, and so in another yes. So so Jesus being a purveyor or, or the minister to sin or, or bringing sin is 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 basically that Jesus brings a false religion. And and, and, was, and Paul says that's not true, and that's what the this is a uh, a confession of Jesus. I mean, this is if we have this wrong of Jesus that he's the bringer of sin, then we're going to have a relationship with Jesus that maybe would allow um, this circumcision, all those kind of things. Because you know, what difference does it make? You know, he, he's a sinner like you and me. He's bringing this sin upon me, and then therefore. What what difference? I have to work my way. So you're going right. from here is here is Jesus, the perfect Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And you say, yeah, but he brought this sin. Oh, good. You better get circumcised then. You better follow this law because obviously he couldn't do it all himself. Is that kind very of the implication good. we have? Oh, you bet. That's even a further implication. That's a Ooh. very good good point. Very yeah. good point. So this is a faith issue. This is a conscience issue. Do you know what the object of your faith is? It's not in a Jesus who brings sins. It is Jesus who takes away your sins are the implications. Um, so don't tear it down um, to prove that you're a transgressor. Um, lift it up and be rebuilt by Christ so that you are forgiven. In verse 19, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. What is he saying here? Well, that that's uh, basically the law does what it's supposed to do. It puts to death, you know, and, and even in our relationship with God. I mean, the law, the purpose of the law is to show us our sins and to condemn us. You know, even as even as the Apostle Paul in Romans says that he has concludes all under sin, that he might have mercy on all. The law is the great leveler. You know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, the law, the letter kills 
but the spirit gives life. That is the gospel gives life. Oh, and absolutely. so, in, and so in other words, he's leveling it out, leveling, leveling out the playing field, let the law do its job. And, and, and then of course, but, but remember that, you know, a lot of times like in, in the um, discussion in the reformation about all of this, the Roman Catholic position would be, well, Paul is only speaking about the ceremonial law. He's throwing that out. And they, like those who say that Galatians is only for Christian freedom, you know, neglect to see that Paul is saying you cannot be saved. It's not only a matter of the ceremonial law like circumcision, but it's also the whole law, even the Ten Commandments. You know, you cannot fulfill those. So they kill you. You're put to death. And then, then this, uh, this leads us into what he says later about, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically being crucified with Christ. Right. And, and he sets it up so well. You know, we don't end in verse 19 and say, Amen, go home. Uh, you die to the law that you might live. Like, okay, well, how do I live? How does this yeah. work? Um, and so he hits us hard for us to know that the law is good in the sense that it will point us to Christ. But what is this Christ and what has he done? So I'm just going to read verse 20 to get to the good stuff. This, is, I mean, it, all of it's good stuff, but to get to the really good stuff here. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Here he says some very strong words that we don't, I would say that we don't tend to talk about, like, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. I belong to Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm adopted. But we don't usually use the word, I've been crucified with Jesus as part of our identity. What is he saying by those words? I've been crucified with Christ. I believe that this refers to baptism. That, okay. that we are put into, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have been clothed in Christ, have put on Christ. This, uh, this is through baptism I have been crucified with Christ. And, 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 and of course, it's in baptism as a means of grace. The Holy Spirit uh, causes us to be born again. And so, and I'm, I'm born anew, even as the Apostle Paul says, it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, but what matters is a new creation, you know, I am a new creation uh, because I have been put into the crucifixion and the death of Christ so that I may be raised up in the same way as he was raised from the dead. And guess what? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that goes back to your favorite epistle, 2 Corinthians chapter yes. 5, verse 17, correct? <laughs> yes, exactly, so, exactly. We look at Romans 6 talks about this beautifully when it talks about how we die in Christ in baptism and we rise to a newness of life. And this is important for us because we'll talk, I mean, I think you're exactly, what we believe this as Christians is that when we get baptized, you die and you rise. And that's what he's speaking about here. You have died and then it is no longer about you, because he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What does it mean that Christ lives in me, Pastor? Well, that, that is my uh, uh, new, the new person within me. That is Christ in me. You know, I, you know the, the old, you know, what does uh, such baptizing with water mean or signify? It signifies that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die together with all sins and evil lusts, and that the new man should come forth and arise who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. So that's the new person within me as a Christian. That is Christ in me. 
Uh, and, and um, you know, in other words, uh, it, it's like if, if I was saying, well, how can I love these people? Well, Christ, let them, like Christ, love them through you. <laughs> You know, in a sense, uh, that that's living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He's the one. He's the one that lives in me, and He's the one. It, he 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 has done everything for me for my salvation. That's outside of me. My salvation is is outside of me. But then I am reborn by the by the gospel and the Holy Spirit through baptism, and 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 now He lives in me. It's uh, um, I was thinking about how this is kind of like that song, give me something to believe in, um, that these are passages that we can look at and say, that is what I can believe in, that that it's not only that Jesus lives in me, like, you know, we'll talk about how Jesus lives in my heart. You know, I've got the love of Jesus down in my heart, where down in my heart, which is true <laughs> as long as we put it to the crucifixion of Jesus. And these wonderful words, who loved me and gave himself for me. If we separate just kind of a, a mythical, like Jesus type of figure and separate it from the crucifixion of Jesus, which is an important piece of Galatians, is this crucifixion understanding um, that we, we lose sight of what Christ has done. Not just kind of a happy little fellow that's in our heart, but Jesus who lives in us, who has forgiven us and who continues to save us. Luther says this in Luther's works, and I love how he says it. He says in this passage, Christ is fixed and cemented to me and abides in me. The life I now live, he lives in me. Indeed, Christ himself is the life that I now live. In this way, therefore, Christ and I are one. So he has bound himself to us, fixed and cemented. I, I, thought, I thought about that. That's a wonderful wording that he's, he grabs a hold of us and he doesn't let us go. And I think that's a wonderful way for us to remember that whether I feel it or not, it is Christ who lives in me and abides and cements himself with us. Thoughts, Pastor? And the most beautiful thing, I, I think it couldn't be expressed any better. Uh, Luther really understood that. And that's why one of, if anybody wants to read Luther, they should read his commentary on Galatians. Uh, there, He had two of them. There was one in 1519 and one in 1535. Uh, but uh, you know, 1535 is the is the real juicy one, and uh, and, then, and this is this is so precious. It, it goes so why when we confess our faith in the Apostles' Creed, why is it mostly about Jesus? Well, that's because that he is our faith. That's why the Apostle Paul said, uh, "For me to live is Christ, to die is gain." Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll say this little side note: we have about four minutes left here, Pastor. But to get to our last verse. But my son uh, has godparents, and they are just wonderful Christian people. They're down in Texas, and she's a Lutheran school teacher. And when, and he, so for for his uh, one his first year baptismal gift from his godparents was the uh, commentary Luther's works on Galatians. How about that for godparents? Oh wow, that's that's great. I, I it, it would it would be so helpful, I guess, if uh, in, if our members in the church too could, you know, be able to just take take Luther <laughs> down from exactly. the shelf and and read read his epistle to the Galatians. You can see the struggle that goes on because, like uh, one commentator points out, that the Apostle Paul is waging war. Uh, against against a you know the Judaizers, but but that's against those who are enemies of the gospel, and that and that, that there is something that is beyond us as human beings that that it is the the truth of the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, "Unless you give up your life 
for me and the gospel, you cannot be my disciple. And that's so precious. That is. That is so precious. In verse 20, he ends with, he gave himself for me. I would encourage our listeners, if you do have the Galatians commentary, the 1535 one, that he speaks explicitly about for me in this commentary, and that is so vital for us. But we have to get to verse 21, because we only have about two minutes left here, Pastor. So let's read verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. These are powerful words, um, can be seen as a little bit negative at first, but it also shows us the power of the gospel. What is Paul saying? Well, if, in other words, if you um, believe in, uh, that you're justified by works, then Christ died to no purpose. I mean, you know, the, the purpose that he lived and died was so that God could give the forgiveness of sins as a free gift. Of, of salvation, and that that is uh, because if you if you uh, when you look at how you're saved, if you you put your own self in there, if you put myself in there, or human endeavor, or works of the law, whatever whatever works, even even accordance with the the Ten Commandments, that would bear as as the you know confessors of our faith, uh, the Book of Concord, they put it that buries Christ. You know mm. you you know it, it makes that Christ died for no purpose. And and what what of what good is Christ if His righteousness is not enough to bring me to everlasting life? As it says, Christ died for sinners, and if you don't think you're a sinner, then Christ died for no purpose. Don't dismiss sin. Don't overlook it. Forgiveness was not easy. It required the blood of our Lord, and He died for a purpose, and that purpose was to save you. Pastor, as you look at these verses, how would you sum it up in a word or a sentence? Uh, I, I would say that uh, this this gives truly gives me freedom, and and that mm. that I I praise God every day that I'm a new creation in Christ. That I believe that my salvation is not based in and even the smallest bit on my own efforts, but that it is all a gift of God's powerful and loving grace in His precious Son Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave Himself for me. For me is the is the the focus here. For Christ has died for a purpose, and it's for you, Pastor David Boyce Claire, Pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Excuse me, Pine Lawn, Missouri, helping us today with Galatians chapter two. Pastor Boyce Claire, thank you for being our guest. It's great. Saints of our Lord, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. He has died for that purpose, as I said, to save you and to forgive you of all of your sins. And I encourage you to rest in that grace this day. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.